Well, hello, everyone. You are listening right now to Right at the Fork, and this is Chris Angelus without my trusty colleague, Court Johnson, who's going to be editing this and posting it up on uh, wherever you get your podcasts to listen to. Um, but as we have for the last few weeks, this is uh, what we're calling a Right at the Moment podcast, where we're talking to folks in the Portland food world about what has transpired um, with their businesses and their lives since um, the coronavirus uh, pandemic uh, became all-consuming. So um, I am recording this, as you may be able to perceive, in my home using a cell phone on speakerphone and another one recording it. We have decided that to ask our guests to get involved with technology that would be required for certain apps and certain recording devices like Skype, um, we thought this would, while the, the uh, sound quality may be diminished a bit, we thought it would be better than asking those folks to deal with technology and then have so many opportunities for malfunctions along the way. So we just want to record these and get them out. This would be, I think, our fifth in the series of Right at the Moment podcasts over the last few weeks. Certainly, uh, we encourage you to listen to the interviews that we've done with Craig Peterson of Ringside and John Gorham of Toro Bravo, Inc., those were a few weeks ago when this all first started, and then we later talked to Kurt Huffman of Chef's Table Group, and then Erica Palmer, who's been leading the charge in Salem and Washington on behalf of our small food businesses, including restaurants and farmers and so forth. That was the last one, and that was a, that was a really interesting interview in terms of what she's been doing to lobby on behalf of small businesses, because they usually don't have a voice. It's the big corporations that have lobbyists, and uh, some of the smaller restaurants do not have a voice. So speaking of the smaller restaurants, we um, I took the opportunity today to speak to Javier and J.L. Canteras of Urdaneta, and any of you who follow me, uh, on any sort of regular basis, know that Portland Food Adventures involves trips. That's my other venture and, uh, and a trip that we were very much looking forward to taking, uh, in late April that has had to obviously been moved. Um, we were doing with Javier and JL to Spain to Bilbao and San Sebastian and where Javier grew up in Bermeo. Um, so we have another, we had actually sold out two of those trips this year, one in April and one in September. So the one in April, we are trying to move all of those folks into a trip next year and maybe add a few to our trip in September. Um, and so as a matter of full disclosure, I do, we can call it business with Javier and JL. Um, and you may have noticed that we've talked to our sponsors uh, of the podcast, and we thank them all for being sticking with us and being a part of this podcast. And again, while JL and Javier may not be sponsors per se of the podcast, just to let you know, I do do business with them. And the other part of that is those are the folks that I am close to uh, and talking to every week or month or sometimes days. To uh, And so those are the people that I naturally would turn to to 
interview and see how they're doing in this uh, crisis. So um, there are a lot of other folks that over the next few weeks we can talk to, and we will. But in this case, we wanted to share with you the thoughts um, of Javier, Javier and JL of Erdinetta. You can find them um, at at Erdinetta PDX. I mentioned the cooking video that Javier did recently um, that I loved making a tortilla and it was with simple ingredients out of his home and uh, it happens to be the uh, the video or the home cooking demonstration that I think was um, the most pleasurable to watch because it was edited uh, it was pretty short actually so go check those out and we'll talk to Javier and JL about what they're doing in the meanwhile I neglected to ask them what they're watching on Netflix. That was on my list, but we didn't get to it. So um, also, since I'm recording this at home, um, you may notice a few little cracks and pops. Um, <laughs> out of all the times that my youngest dog, Kodak, was indicating to me that he really needed to go out, and I'm so glad that he was, as opposed to not doing that, uh, he and Oakley were outside on my deck and just... Um, and Kodak was champing at the bit to go outside and uh, be relieved. So I was doing everything I could to let him in, let him out. And you'll hear, you know, my cabinet slamming because I have to get some dog biscuits, too. I think this is kind of fun, just like watching Gabriel Rucker at home. And I encourage you to do that on his Instagram at his home with his kids and all the things that are going on and nothing goes perfectly. Uh, same instance with this podcast, although the others have run pretty smoothly. And uh, I hope you don't hear a lot of popping, but just in case you do, that's what was going on. And I might have been a little distracted, you'll notice, because I was just trying to make sure that Kodak stopped whining. Uh, but that might have been actually fun to listen to, a little whining during the podcast. I think he's, he's, um, he's due some whining, too. But he's, been, he's got a pretty good life out here, and so do I. So I hope you, you all are sheltering in place and managing, um, and we appreciate your taking time to listen to this podcast. You may be able to see that we have been doing this for seven years, so we've got a lot of episodes you can listen to going back. So just go to writeatthefork.com or Libsyn. Libsyn is a really good place to check out the uh, archives. So go to, just if you Google Write at the Fork Libsyn, you'll get into our archives and you can listen to a lot. And we encourage you also to not only rate and make a comment, but also to make your friends aware that these are these podcasts exist. Not everybody is aware. We, we would like everybody to be, but they're not. So at any rate, this interview was recorded on Wednesday. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's going to be, it's probably going to be released on Wednesday. It was recorded on Thursday, March 31st, just to give you an idea of when in the uh, chronology of the coronavirus uh, situation Javier and JL are speaking to. So they're no longer doing takeout, um, and he explains why. And, uh, of course, Erdinetta, when anybody has asked me over the years, um, one of my favorite restaurants, even before I started doing trips with Javi and JL, 
Um, I always mention Ordinetta, and it always comes up when someone's looking for a romantic spot to go. It will be one of my first mentions, if not the first, every time I want to turn someone on to a new place that they will enjoy, and everybody has. So they're the nicest people you can possibly imagine, and it's one of the reasons their restaurant is has been so fantastic and will be again in the not-too-distant future, we hope. Thank you so much for both getting on the phone with me. As you may or may not know, we've been talking to a few people in the industry about how the coronavirus has affected their livelihoods and uh, how this, you know, over the past couple of weeks, the progression of shitty news and how you coped with it, how you what you did to um you know, keep your business alive, what you're doing to keep your business alive, and what your prospects are. Those are the th- the things I wanted to cover today, other than a mention to this, the, sh- the, the sadness of the trip to Spain yeah. that we've had to cancel, not cancel, postpone. Postpone, yeah. Postpone. It'll yeah, no, it'll happen. We have a couple of opportunities there, but I have to t- tell you, it is, uh, so there was a trip that I was really looking forward to going back to Bermeo, where, you know, you have roots, um, chef and also San Sebastian and Bilbao. And we were so close that it's, we could almost smell it. However, I guess we should be fortunate that this all occurred about six weeks before we left and it didn't happen while we were there. Absolutely. I mean, we were, I mean, we were just talking about that pretty recently where it's like, I mean, I mean, as of right now, you know, we, we were supposed to leave in just a couple of weeks, you know, so imagine if, you know, all of this happened sooner and we were stuck there in a much worse situation than we are now, you know, so I'm, I'm you know, as unfortunate as it is, the, the timing was actually not bad for us. Yeah, there's, put it this way, it was a, it's beyond an inconvenience for a lot of people in so many ways, but if you look at the silver linings, uh, I think we're going to see them eventually, um, but certainly it wasn't easy to cancel out 21 people in three different hotels and a bunch of restaurant reservations and do that. And, and in the process of doing that, I am talking to people in Spain who are undergoing their own uh, trials and tribulations and, you know, getting back when they can with whatever information they have. So this has been, you know, this came out of left field for a lot of people. There are a lot of, um, a lot of things that people necessarily thought might be in place to prevent against loss on this. Did you, were you aware of any business loss insurance and how that worked or how that wasn't going to work? We looked into it kind of as things started happening, um, and there was a lot of talk about the government kind of needing to react locally so that people could utilize that. And so we started doing research pretty early on and became pretty clear that that wasn't an option for most businesses, that it wasn't going to be something that was covered. Yeah. So what what were, you, were your immediate thoughts? This is not something you've had a drill on before as to how to proceed. Um, I know you went to, it didn't take you long to go to takeout, and then what happened from there? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, initially we were 
throughout this whole process, just trying to look ahead as much as we possibly could. So we decided pretty early on to voluntarily close our dining business, um, you know, for the safety of, of our family, for the safety of our employees. And then, yeah, you know, decide to move to takeout, um, did a whole menu, you know, come, came up with a system where, you know, the, the pickup was, was six feet away, you know, from people coming to pick up things, uh, did everything online, automated, you know, went through a lot of work actually, you know, trying to get it together. Um, and we did it for a week. I mean, we had a ton of support from the community, a ton of support from the neighborhood that we're in. And it was actually very successful. You know, we, we didn't end takeout because it wasn't feasible or successful. Um, ultimately, my thoughts were that there's just too many variables in this situation that are out of our control. You know, we, we can do our 100% best to wear gloves, minimize contact, you know, practice social distancing, all of those things. But the things that we can't control are, you know, we, we still need to get food deliveries into the restaurant to do this takeout menu. We still need um, outside sources to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. And it's those variables that ultimately just made me uncertain about about the practice of, of what's happening outside of our restaurant. So when it came down to it, it was a, a personal decision, not a business decision, but more of a, of a personal decision for my family, for my employees, and just being an advocate of reducing the risk, not only for my family in this restaurant, but for everyone. And so we just ultimately decided to take a break um, and just kind of wait this thing out. And so what are the uh, prospects for you in terms of, I know there's some stimulus package out there and there's a lot to wade through on that, but what are the prospects for you in terms of the viability of Erdoneta as you go forward at this point in time? And this is being recorded on March 31st, so everything changes. I mean, I remember, JL, it wasn't long ago when your restaurant was packed and you said to me, we're going to look at different options and take out. And at the time, I thought, why are they doing that? But and so that was only like three weeks or a month ago when before this really hit. So everything's happened so quickly and everything will happen quickly as we move forward. But how do you see? Uh, have you talked to your landlord? What's going on with rent and that sort of thing with Erdoneta? I mean, I think, you know, we have been very fortunate from the beginning in the amount of support that our community and our neighborhood and our guests have always given us, but they really have stepped up. So I think throughout this whole thing, um, we've been able to choose what we want to do in to some level. I mean, there's a lot of this happening where it's, it's not an option, but whatever avenue we've given people to support us, they have stepped up and done that. People have bought gift certificates online. People have showed up for our takeout. The amount of just support, people messaging us, people checking in on us, like our community has really been there for us. And then that has also translated into the people that we work and partner with. Um, and we've been so lucky 
almost completely across the board where people have come to us and said, hey, we're going to waive this this month. We want you to be there when this is over. And you do really realize just how much this ripples out, this industry, how many things are connected to the bar and restaurant and food service industry in Portland. I mean, there's so many layers of it. And the community of partners and businesses that we work with have been so incredibly wonderful to us. Our landlord is working with us. I feel like we've been very, very fortunate. Oh, I think you're, I, you know, I haven't done a survey of everyone, but it sounds like you're in the more fortunate segment. Have you heard from any of your uh, restaurateur brethren and sisters that, um, that, that may be not having that much luck and that much support? I'm sure many of them have it from the community, but the, the real support's going to have to come from within the people that you have to pay and the understanding that you have no revenue for a little while. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, I mean, we've heard from some of our neighbors, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, everybody's in a little bit of a dis- different situation, you know, even, you know, even friends of ours that, that are, or have a attempted, you know, the takeout menu concept and things like that, where, you know, maybe their overhead is, is a little bit, you know, bigger than some other people and you know the amount of revenue that they're bringing in is just not feasible for them to even even continue doing those things you know um i think i mean i you know i can really only speak for us i mean we you know we're a small neighborhood place and and we've established you know just really good relationships with the people that we work with and and i think right now you know those people are, are showing us some love. Well, that's fantastic. Do you foresee, and by the way, I don't mean to just run right over that. I'm so happy that that's <laughs> happening for you. I appreciate that. Do you foresee any um, changes that you might make, either in terms of, you know, bare bo- the, the, the brass tacks of Erdinetta, the menu or that sort of thing, or even the way you approach your business going forward, knowing that this sort of thing might happen, you know, there may be things you appreciate now that you may not have appreciated then. What changes do you, do you foresee, if any, um, going forward? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I certainly think that, that there will be some, you know. I mean, I, I know that, you know, when this gets a little bit more under control that, you know, I don't think I don't think that things are going to be the same for for quite a long time. Um, you know, there there's probably going to be just on the business end, you know, some things that that we're gonna we're gonna tighten up. You know, we're we're gonna you know try and, and just reduce our costs a little bit because I think everybody right now more than ever is being forced to look at that. You know, I mean, with a magnifying glass. You know, and so I think moving forward, you know, that's that's a practice that because things are going to be unstable for a while, open or not, um, you know, that, that we're going to be tightening up our, our overhead and just our general business costs. You know, menu wise, I mean, I think myself as a chef and probably every other chef, you know, here in Portland that is going stir crazy at their houses, they're, you know, I think we're all looking forward to the day that we can come out with the, 
the kick-ass menus that we're just like stirring up in our minds because we're bored, you know? Um, one thing from, from takeout that was super successful was the Erda burger, which is something that I've been making for years personally, but, um, it was one of the most popular items on our takeout menu that we did. And so maybe here in the future, when we open back up, you might see a, a Spanish cheeseburger on the menu. You never know. I never really associated a burger with Ordinetta, but yes, <laughs> stranger things have occurred throughout this uh, whole thing. Are you? I you know I really loved your um, your cooking video the other day, and it's it's been quite interesting. I've watched videos now from Gabriel Rucker, quite a few of them. Uh, I know Vitaly's doing some, Lisa Schroeder, um, and I've watched yours. Is that, is that just pent up energy that chefs have? Um, is it, do, you know, what is behind that from a marketing standpoint? You're, you have to accomplish something while you're not open. What, what's the thinking behind that? Sure. You know, I mean, I, you know, I think it's, it's a combination of lots of things. You know, I think as a chef, um, you know, just the, the desire and passion to, to keep cooking and being creative personally. You know, it, it's a great outlet, outlet. You know, to to kind of keep that alive. You know, and not not stand still or sit down on the couch for too long. You know, not not be in front of Netflix for too long, but you know, stay active and keep your mind moving and working. And you know, as a chef, I think that that's that's really important for all of us. You know, uh, I think you know, in, in a marketing sense, you know, it also. It, it reminds people out there that we're still here and we're still around and that we're going to come out on the other side of this just fine. And it's, it's just a reminder for everybody that, you know, we're still working on things and, and Ernanetta is still here, you know, and then, you know, I mean, it also um, helps people, you know, I think for, for my videos in particular, I'm really focusing on ingredients that, that are accessible and that people will most likely have in their pantry, you know, just things like eggs and onions and potatoes and milk, you know, you know, and, and really trying to show people that you can do something really interesting with those ingredients and, and, you know, try new things and give people something to do with their spare time right now. Uh, yeah. And I have another question. What, um, I well yes the um, the tortilla that you made was to me was incredible because that's something I can attack with not a lot of ingredients that I could see that I could I could make that pretty easily I don't go I, I can't get very complicated especially when I'm cooking for one sometimes I'm cooking for two now but when I'm cooking for one I don't it's hard to get complicated I just don't I just don't enjoy the cleanup that much that's my problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, but that seemed very simple, and I was going to only have a couple of pans to clean after that and a cutting board, so that was good. Um, just while we have the opportunity, because we talked about our trip to Spain, and we plan a few of them over the next few years, and now we're going to have – we hope that most of our people who were in uh, in with us uh, in April are going to move to a year later and stay with us. But just in case they don't, for those of us, those people listening who may want to come with us, uh, at least on one of these trips, but the trip to um, 
Bermeo and San Sebastian and Bilbao. What is it? Why don't you talk a little bit about what excited you about that and what we're going to be missing in the short term, but we're going to be doing it again in September, we hope. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's just the opportunity to show people where I personally come from and where, you know, I've taken my wife to for, you know, our honeymoon and things like that throughout the years and, and really what the inspiration of the restaurant Verdineta is and, and what the roots of it are, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very, very personal trip for me, you know, going to some of my favorite places and seeing some of my favorite things, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, going to, to the hometown of, of Bermeo is, is something that's very, very special to me. And that's where my grandmother's house is, you know, and, and, and I know people there, I have relatives there and, you know, for me, it's um, it's just an opportunity to, to share where we come from and where our inspirations lie. And, you know, I, I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. You know, we keep thinking it's like, oh, man, that originally that trip, that trip was just a couple of weeks away, you know, but um, but it's not gone. You know, it's just postponed um, and it'll maybe even give us a little time to maybe plan a few more special things, you know, not, not that we have um, a little bit more time. Yeah, we, know, we'll see. we put it off six months. We have the same trip that we had scheduled for April planned for late September, and um, we're surely looking forward to that. But for me, you know, after the dust settled, it hasn't settled, but it's still going on. But there's some inspiration and some light at the when this when this is all over with, at least we have something really nice to look forward to. And that is, that's been a lot of my uh, inspiration. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what I do, and I would recommend it to everybody, and I should probably just put this in the intro instead of wasting your time with this. But I don't think it's a waste, actually. I have a, a Google Cast attached to my TV. And as anybody who knows me knows, I take a lot of pictures. I've traveled quite a, extensively over the past few years. And what I have casting to my television all day long with my Spotify in the background are photographs from previous trips, my dogs, the coast, and it has, it has absolutely made me realize that I shouldn't be down in the dumps because I'm sheltered at home right now. It may, has made me realize what an incredible life I've had and what I have to look yeah. forward to in the future. So, um, and a lot of those are pictures of Spain, uh, many pictures of Spain. So, um, we're right now we're in this and you, many restaurant owners are in it very, in a very tough fashion. I'm glad to hear it sounds a little bit, you're, I think you're the most optimistic of all the interviews that we've had so far. So I like that that balances out some of the others, but, um, but yeah, we're in it now, and um, I know we're going to probably come back with a few fewer restaurants in Portland, and that's yeah. that's very sad. On the other hand, those spaces where those restaurants existed, the landlords are not going to have a very easy time filling those spots with restaurants that have a better shot than the ones that are there right now. So yeah. We keep talking about that every day, you know, as we... You know, I think just within the community, you know, you reach out to the people you know and you say, how are you doing with this? Do you need anything? That's 
the community not only of chefs and industry workers that really just have kind of reached out to support each other has been so wonderful in how this community has really stepped up. And I think there's just a realization that in order for us to all make it through, we need as many of us to make it through as we possibly can, because when this landscape opens back up, the more of us that are there, the better it is for everyone. Uh, yeah, I think we're all going to need that. And I think, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Portland because as we all know, it's a very cohesive and supportive community and it's going to take a whole different shape, um, an enhanced shape when we come out of this. Absolutely. You know, and I think something that we'll see, you know, when this gets more under control is, is, you know, I think you know everybody out there right now is really, really paying attention to the the restaurant, the hospitality community, and and I think that we'll see people on the other side being maybe a little bit more compassionate than they were before. Maybe maybe really realizing that this business is really hard, and it, and it really stems from the love and the passion of the people that run it. You know, I mean. You know, quite honestly, in, in today's age, you know, there's very few of us that are getting rich here. You know, we're, you know, we have humble lives and, and a humble living, and we do what we do because we love doing it. But it requires a lot of work. So, you know, I, like I said, on the other side of this, you know, I think I think people are going to be, you know, more more receptive, more compassionate to this industry, and and hopefully just to everybody around them in general. Well, I think it's the first opportunity, not the first, but it's been an extraordinary opportunity for people to get a little closer to the restaurant community and hear about a lot of the issues, certainly in a different way. But for a long time, restaurateurs have been struggling with how to be a little more profitable and how to deal with wages and minimum wages and so forth. And now I think coming out of this, people are are going to be very understanding of all the um, all the things that you deal with to operate a business, do it successfully, and do it with a big smile on your faces at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> so, true. So good. It's it's great to hear you two laughing. It's really awesome to be able to connect with you. We've talked a little bit since this all happened, and. Um, I will. I can't wait to get back into the restaurant to Ordinetta to enjoy your food and hospitality. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Thanks so much for um, for taking your time and talking with us. We love you, man. Oh no, it's all my pleasure. I have one more question. Are you going to continue to do the cooking videos? Because I will tell everybody while everybody else is doing really nice, kind of off the cuff ones in their kitchens, yours was so well produced. Are you going to keep doing them? <laughs> You know, absolutely. I think I've I've found a new a new love in my life. I'm now I have four planned already, um, and you know it's it's something that I've you know I didn't know it, but it, I really enjoy doing it. So I I really enjoy the editing of the videos and you know kind of putting them all together. And so yeah, you know, like I said, I've got got four in the works as we speak. What are you going to be making? Do you can you do you, can you clue us into a couple or one of them at least? Yeah, you know, I think 
I think the next one I'm gonna I'm gonna actually touch on a dessert that's really close to me, and that's very traditional flan that my mom would make me when I was growing up as a kid, you know, and it, it's, you know, yet another thing that takes about three or four ingredients to make. And it's something that most likely people will have in their, in their pantries. Um, you know, after that, I might, I might get a little bit, a little bit into something that's not Spain, you know, cause when I'm at home, I really enjoy cooking lots of things. You know, I mean, you know, I'm known for cooking Spanish food at the restaurant, but at home, I love making pasta, you know, I love making some really good enchiladas, you know, things like that. So I might, you know, touch on, on some things like that that are, that are, you know, maybe a little bit different for me. So awesome. So, and are you going to share those beyond um, Instagram? Cause I'm, as I understand it, those show up as live videos and then as stories, are you going to put it on YouTube so we can access it anytime? How's that, how's that going to work? Yeah, I think we're, you know, we're looking into that right now. So, yeah, yeah, I think, we, you know, I might even um, put together a YouTube channel and, and just keep throwing videos at it whenever I can. So. Great. So I guess the advice to everybody is to go to, or at least follow, for now, Erdineta PDX and or at Erdineta PDX on Instagram and find out what's going on from there and stay in touch with you. Absolutely, man. All right, thank you so much. Can't tell you how much uh, you made my you made my Tuesday morning. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, thank you. Take we'll talk to you soon. soon. All right. All right. Bye bye. This has been Right at the Fork with your host Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson. This podcast is supported by Zupan's Markets, the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group, and Ringside Steakhouse. Zupan's Markets has adjusted their daily hours, open daily now from 8 to 8 p.m., to better serve both the customer and employee, allowing them to keep the market stocked and clean each day. They're also offering senior and immune-compromised early shopping hours on Mondays and Thursdays from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And now they're also offering some great ready-to-eat meals that will serve four, featuring roasted salmon, vegan tamales, roasted chicken, classic meatloaf and much more if you order by noon you can pick up that day and they're even offering curbside pickup get full details right now at zupans.com you can support the toro bravo inc restaurant group by ordering takeout at some of their locations or by simply purchasing a gift card to use later you can find out which restaurants are open for to-go orders and get those gift cards at torobravoinc.com Ringside Steakhouse, a Portland institution for over 75 years, is looking forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, you can purchase gift cards on their website, where they're now offering bonus gift cards. For example, if you purchase a $300 e-gift card, you'll receive a $50 bonus dining gift card. And with the purchase of a $500 e-gift card, you'll get a $100 bonus dining card. You can get full details at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right